Star Wars, The Light of Darkness by Nyan A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Chaos. After the defeat of the evil First Order, a new power has risen. A second Jedi Order, founded by the once-resistance fighter Rey Skywalker, has gained power. But unlike the first Jedi Order, the second has no government to back it. For it is the government itself. But the galaxy is restless as the Jedi struggle to maintain peace and stability in the galaxy after the death of Rey at the hands of underworld criminals years after peace had finally fallen across the galaxy. Now the Jedi Council rules with an iron fist over the unruly Senate, which calls for the Jedi to step down and allow full democracy to reign. On Coruscant, the Jedi have become worried about the far-off Insipar system the Jedi Knights stationed there have not reported in for weeks. Desperate to show the galaxy that the Jedi can still maintain peace, Grand Master Skor Santarna has dispatched a Jedi Knight and his Padawan to investigate the mystery of the Insipar system. Chapter 1 Tara sat in her bunk, mulling over her and her master's task. She wasn't exactly scared, but she was definitely worried. They had been sent to an obscure system in the middle of nowhere that had been unresponsive to all their communications for over a month now. To add on to her worries, this was her first real assignment with her new master. And of course, the Jedi Council had decided to broadcast it live to the Senate. Pitiful, she thought, shaking her head. They're so desperate to show the galaxy that we actually have control that they decided to livestream a scouting mission. She just hoped that it would all be over soon. Tara really hated flying. That's why she was hiding in the bunk room of the Jedi shuttle and not co-piloting with her master like she was supposed to. When she was little, her parents had died in a speeder crash over Coruscant. The Jedi had found her in the debris and trained her because they sensed the power in her. Ever since, she has had a fear of flying, which is sometimes a problem when you're an intergalactic peacekeeper. Tara! She heard her master call from the cockpit of the shuttle. Coming, she answered, grudgingly, as she dragged herself out of her bed. She entered the cockpit and tapped her master on the shoulder to get his attention, because he was once again staring at the undulating blue vortex of hyperspace. You called, she said, in an irritated voice. She would never speak to him in public like that, but they had formed such a close bond through training that they joked with each other freely and sometimes even insulted each other with no shame. A few seconds later, she realized she technically was speaking to him in public. There was a blinking camera in the corner of the cockpit that was streaming directly to the Jedi on Coruscant. When we come out of hyperspace, I want you to launch that cam droid that the Council gave us so we can show the galaxy that the Jedi are the best scouts ever, he said with a humorous twinkle in his eye. Terra groaned. But why did they make us do it? Not some more experienced Jedi, Terra complained. Listen, the less you complain, the faster we'll get this done, and then we can go back to Coruscant and you can play with your pet Tuka cat all day, 
he said as he prepared to bring the ship out of hyperspace. I told him to stop making fun of me about nibbles, Tara said for what must have been the thousandth time this week. You named him Nibbles. How can you expect me not to make fun of him? He was cut off as the ship came out of hyperspace over the gray-green dust ball that was Insipar Major. But they could barely see the actual planet because the space above it was full of hundreds of dark gray triangular ships. Terra immediately recognized the ships from History Hollows. They were Imperial Star Destroyers, except they weren't. Terra, being somewhat of a history buff, knew that these Star Destroyers were at least four times the size of a standard ISD from the days of the Empire. She stared in pure shock at the Star Destroyers as the calm on the ship crackled, then a crisp, commanding voice came through the speakers. Unidentified vessel, this is Admiral Kest of the New Empire. Please identify yourself and the destination, or you will be boarded. Tara glanced. Terra glanced up at the camera and saw that the blinking light had gone out. The Star Destroyers had cut their transmissions. Terra stared at her master, scared out of her wits. An Imperial Star Destroyer could wipe out an entire city with its weapons. She had no idea what these beasts were capable of. Her master, looking almost as shocked as she was, activated the comm and said in a shaky voice, this is a Jedi ambassadorship. We have come to investigate this system and the disappearance of five Jedi and their troops. With your kind permission, we would like to land on the surface of the planet. Then he spun around to face Tara, an intense urgency in his eyes. Tara, you have to go. Get in the escape pod and get out of here. You have to warn the Jedi Council about this. But what? Tara began. Just go, he yelled, shoving her down the hallway. Tara ran toward the escape pod at the end of the hallway. She heard the Admiral say something through the comm, but she couldn't hear what because she was too distracted with fear for her life. She reached out into the force to calm herself and turned around just in time to see the cockpit obliterated by a green blast of laser fire. She barely had time to scream before she was sucked toward the gaping hole in the ship by the cold, dark vacuum of space. Just as she was about to enter the void, the emergency atmospheric shields kicked in, and the hole in the ship was sealed off by a glowing ray of plasma. She collapsed to the floor, gasping for breath, then the full impact of what had just happened hit her. Her master was dead. Her kind, funny, and empathetic master had just been blasted to atoms by a single laser. She curled into a fetal position like she had after the speeder accident that had brought her to her master in the first place, and sobbed. She sobbed until she had completely blocked out the outside world. She was startled out of her grief by a sound that reverberated in her very soul. A sound that hurt her ears and instilled fear in her very bones. She ran to the window and saw two ships roaring toward the broken shuttle that she instantly recognized from the history lessons as TIE Fighters. But these were different from the Imperial and First Order models. These were sleeker, faster, better equipped, and altogether fiercer. Terra stumbled to her feet and clambered into the escape pod. She wasn't thinking with her mind. She was too grief-struck for that. Instead, all her actions were purely instinctual. 
She slammed her fist into the eject button, and the pod shot toward Insipar Major just as the TIE Fighters blasted the remaining piece of the shuttle to a blackened pile of slag. The fighters then veered off to pursue the escape pod that had just jettisoned from the shuttle. Terra watched as the fighters closed in on her and prepared to fire their cannons, but Terra surfaced from her misery just enough to call upon the force. She reached out her hand and jerked it to the side. As if her hands were tied to the TIE fighter by a string, the one on the left suddenly jerked to the side and smashed into the one on the right, sending them both spinning towards the planet in a fiery ball of metal and wires. Before she could celebrate her small victory, a laser blast scraped the side of her pod, destroying two of the thrusters and sending her spinning in a tight circle straight down to the dusty plains of Insipar Major. Chapter 2 Tara woke up with a splitting headache and two flashing red lights pointed straight at her eyes. She sat up quickly and glanced around. She was still in her escape pod and the emergency lights were flashing at her. She stood up and tried to remember what had happened. After her escape pod had been hit, she tried to activate the parachute to slow her fall when she entered the atmosphere, but the blast had fried all the controls and she wasn't able to do anything. And when the escape pod hit the ground, she must have hit her head on something. Tara reached to her head, and her hand came away wet. Blood, she thought. What did my master always say to do about blood? She couldn't remember, so she ripped off the sleeve of her robe and tied it around her head. She checked to see if her lightsaber was still strapped to her hip. It was. She grabbed the small ration pack that was in the escape pod and set out to find a way to warn the Jedi Council. She had to move fast, because if those massive Star Destroyers had shot her down, then surely they could have tracked the pod down to the planet. She set off at a run, ignoring the throbbing in her head. Insipar was not a great place to be in her situation. It was a flat, dusty landscape with dead grass and dotted with shrubs. In other words, it was not a good place to hide. Someone, especially someone with a heads-up display, could spot her miles away. So the only advantage she had was speed. She channeled the Force into her legs and dashed across the barren landscape. With both adrenaline and the power of the Force, she ran faster than she ever had in her life. So fast she didn't even see the two figures before she crashed right into them. Hold it right there, one of them shouted. His voice had a strange quality to it, as if it were going through a filter. She looked up and saw two tall humans clad in shiny white armor. They were wearing helmets that she once again instantly recognized from the history hollows. These were stormtroopers. But at the moment, Tara couldn't care less about what they were. The only thing that she cared about was that they both had blaster rifles, and they were pointed straight at her face. Who are you? I didn't think there were natives on this hunk of rock. One of the troopers barked at her. His voice filtered through his helmet, making it sound strange and inhuman. Must be an escape prisoner. Look at those robes, the other one guessed. At this point, Tara thought she could take them on. With her lightsaber and the force combined, she thought the troopers had no chance. But then she had an idea. She reached into the force and raised her hand and waved it in front of the troopers. I am your commanding officer, and I order you to go back to base and leave me be. As she tried to stand up, the two troopers shot her in the face. She woke up in a cold metal chair in a dark room, surrounded by white, armor-clad troopers. She was so criffing sore. Her face was tingling, and she could barely feel her legs. She must have been blasted by those troopers. Thank the force it was on stun. Even so, two stun shots to her face at point-blank range did not feel good. 
Hey, Bucketheads, she yelled at the trooper standing in a circle around her. Can I have some water? Shut up, Jedi, the trooper closest to her said. You come here and try to kill us and you expect us to give you luxuries? Tara didn't think water was necessarily a luxury, but he had a fair point. Well, if you guys are trying to kill me, don't you think I should protect myself? Although, to be fair, your aim is probably so bad that I wouldn't even need to protect myself. I could just walk out, Tara said, internally grinning. You really want us to shoot you again, don't you? He said angrily, raising his blaster. Maybe this time I won't be on stun. Now let's not be rude to our guest, Commander Rust. A new calm voice cut through the room. A figure emerged from the shadows and walked over to Terra, shooting an irritated look at the trooper who had threatened her. Hopefully my troopers weren't too harsh, were they? Tara Basai? The man was slim, wearing a full black suit made of leather with a long cape flowing from his back. He seemed young, maybe only five or six years older than Terra. But the most shocking thing about him were his eyes. They were dark, fathomless pits that seemed so much older than what his face showed. His light brown skin and dark hair matched nicely with his attire. Tara shook that thought out of her head. Now was not the time to be thinking about the fashion choices of her enemy. How do you know my name? She muttered. All the fight drained out of her as she looked into his face and saw the deep intelligence, darkness, and power in his eyes. Oh, my dear Tara, you really do need to learn to shield your thoughts from others. I'm sure the Jedi Council knows everything you have ever thought about them by now. But, of course, the Jedi Council is unbelievably weak, so that assumption might not be true. A smile danced across his face as he looked into her mind, with no apparent effort. You seem to agree with me about that, that the Jedi Council is weak? No, not weak, corrupt is the word you use, which is quite true. And that is the very reason I have brought you here, Tara. Because you are not as loyal to the Jedi Council as any good little Jedi should be. And that is exactly what I need. What Tara expected next was troopers to descend on her and start beating her to a pulp to extract information that she didn't have. But she didn't expect her clamps to release and for the man to escort her out of the room. She emerged into a hallway filled with bustling officers and squads of troopers. Two officers appeared at the side of the man and started whispering to him and showing him statistics on a data pad. He muttered something to them under his breath and they nodded and turned onto a different hallway. Tara considered trying to run away, but she suspected that the moment she strayed from her expected path, she would be shot down by anyone in the hallway. The strange man led her into a room, and the moment the door shut behind her, all the noise from the corridor vanished. Inside the room was a table, two chairs, and nothing much else besides some small trees growing in pots lining the sides of the room. On the far end, there was a large window looking out into the plains of Insipar. So I am still on the planet, she thought. The man sat down on one of the chairs and motioned for Tara to sit. She did. Then a section of the table folded in on itself and a platter arose from underneath it. The platter contained some of the most delicious-looking foods she had ever seen. At the Jedi Temple, they valued nutrition over enjoyment, making all her meals unpleasant and unexciting. While this was the exact opposite, 
There was a large roasted ronto, a variety of exotic fruits, some strange colorful soup, and much, much more. He slid her a small plate and grinned at her shocked face. Tara, I am not a cruel man. So instead of torturing the information I want out of you, I thought we could have a nice, civilized talk. He calmly explained as he served some food onto both of their plates. Please do eat up. We are going to be here a while. He chuckled at her hesitant yet excited face. Tara, I told you I am not a cruel man. I didn't poison your food. Tara picked up her fork and ate a bit of the ronto meat. Her eyes widened with shock at the burst of flavor in her mouth. The most flavor she had ever had was some jogan fruit and this soared past the flavor it possessed. The man laughed at her reaction and raised his eyebrows as if to ask if she liked it. This is delicious, she exclaimed. The ronto meat has a rather strange texture, but it's the best thing I've ever tasted. She then remembered that she should probably be a bit less complimentary around her enemies. It has a different texture because I prefer to avoid eating actual animals. It's needless killing. So this is fake Ronto. This is also one of my favorite recipes. I cooked it myself, he said cheerfully. So let's get down to business. I think it would be a bit rude to interrogate you immediately, especially after I had you shot in the face. So how about you ask me a few questions first? Tara hesitated. She decided to ask a simple question first. What's your name? You will learn my real name in time, but for now, you can call me the Emperor. Tara's eyes widened again, this time not from food. The Emperor of what? Oh, the Emperor of my new regime. The benevolent ruler of the new empire. Chapter 3 Grand Master Santarna hated politics, which was ironic since she led a galaxy-wide senate. But Score Santarna didn't care about the senate. The only reason she put up with it is so the Jedi could still hold the galaxy together under her rule. Yes, she hated politics, but the one thing she hated more was waiting, and that was exactly what she had been doing for the last three criffing days, waiting for that stupid Jedi Knight and his idiotic little apprentice to get back from that scouting mission to the insignificant dustball in Savar. It wasn't that she cared about them. The Jedi Council had hundreds of Jedi at their disposal. The thing she cared about was public opinion. And if she sent two Jedi to a planet and they never came back, especially after they were live-streaming the first part of it, the public would start to get suspicious. A few Jedi had already disappeared on a mission to that stupid planet. And if the public got wind that another two had disappeared, well, her grip on the already restless Senate would loosen even more. And to add on to that steaming pile of problems, she had no idea how to solve any of them. If she sent more useless Jedi, then they would just disappear. She couldn't send any actually competent people because they were needed to keep the Senate under control. And there the Grand Master sat, trying to figure out how to get rid of the annoyance of that pointless planet that absolutely no one cared about. She raised her wrist and activated her comm. Council meeting! Now! She barked into it. She didn't have time to be polite. 
She walked out of her chambers and boarded the turbo lift leading to the council meeting room. The temple was designed after the old one from the days of the Republic, and a lot of young Jedi were fascinated by the history of the building. But Score didn't care. It served its purpose, and that is all that matters. She didn't care if it had fancy data pads built in the walls. She only cared that it was in tune with the Force, and that it helped her beat her enemies and influence the Senate, which was built directly under the temple for that very reason. Score was the second to make it to the council meeting room, the first person being an elderly Togruton Jedi. He didn't speak much, but he was an expert fighter, which was all Santarna needed to put him on the council. Soon the room started filling up until all twelve were there, waiting to be yelled at by the Grand Master. Listen up! We have a problem that needs to be solved, she shouted at them. Two more Jedi have gone missing on Insipar Major. We have to figure out why as fast as possible. Any ideas? A young Bothan spoke up. Let's just send the fleet. It'll scare away the pirates that are probably attacking the transports, and we won't be unprotected for long. And even if the fleet is gone for a while, we have nothing to protect from. Are you really such a fool as to send our only protection off on a wild bantha chase after some band of pirates? The elderly Togruta countered. Master Tarek has a point. If we send the fleet, it will get rid of our problems fast, and we have no large enemy that can attack us while we are exposed, so it is of little consequence, Skor said, intervening before the argument got too heated. Contact Admiral Scorn. Tell him to send every last one of our ships, and tell him to actually make an effort to look menacing. With any luck, he'll be able to scare off whoever is doing this with little effort. Two hours later, the Jedi fleet was gathered in the skies above Coruscant, looking as menacing as possible, considering that the fleet was mostly made for show rather than actual battle. Score watched from the temple grounds as the fleet jumped to hyperspace, prepared to face something far less sinister than what they found. On the bridge of the flagship of the fleet, Admiral Sorn watched the swirling blue vortex of hyperspace. When his technician told him that they were approaching Insipar, he took a deep breath and turned to his bridge crew. Ready the guns, he shouted. Let's blow that pirate scum out of the sky. But when they came out of hyperspace, they found something that was most definitely not pirate scum. It was an entire navy of massive star destroyers. He didn't even have time to shout before a crisp, clear voice filled the bridge. This is Admiral Kest of the New Empire. You have been identified as the Jedi Fleet. We have been expecting you. Prepare to die. The last thing Admiral Sorn saw was the massive turbo lasers on the destroyers turning toward his fleet. A blaze of green lasers. Then everything went black. Tara was halfway through her platter of food and halfway through a slew of questions coming from this self-proclaimed emperor when a loud beeping cut through his voice. Can't I get through one interrogation without an emergency happening? He sighed and walked over to a flashing panel. He tapped a button and the voice of a nervous man filled the room. My lord, there was an attack on Insipar. The entire Jedi fleet showed up. Admiral Kest has dealt with them. But we have captured a prisoner, the man said. His nervousness about talking to his emperor clearly showed. Who is this, might I ask? The emperor asked politely to the comms array. This is Admiral Kest's senior comms officer, Lieutenant Parth, sir, the officer replied. Lieutenant Parth, 
Could you do me a favor and ask Admiral Kast to inform me about an attack on the planet before blowing them up? He asked calmly. Before the lieutenant could answer, the Emperor shut down the comms and turned to Terra. I am truly sorry, Tara, but let's continue this conversation another time. There will be troopers here if you need anything. Terra stood up. I have one more question, she called out to him. He turned and raised a questioning eyebrow. What are you doing this for? Why gather such a big army? Why put so much effort into ending democracy? Is it just for personal gain? Well, someone's gotta stop the Jedi. He smiled grimly and exited the room. Chapter 4 The Emperor was not exactly happy. While he was away interrogating the girl for one criffing hour, the Jedi had sent their entire fleet, and his admiral hadn't even told him. As he exited the meeting room, he saw Tara sit back down with a thoughtful face. He really hoped she stayed put. She was quite a nice young lady with lots of interesting information, and he would hate to have to shoot her down if she tried to escape. But you have to do what you have to do. The Emperor boarded his private turbo lift that took him down to the landing bay towards the bottom of the cliff that the base was built into. He exited into the large space and strolled over to the shuttle that had just landed. A full escort of ties swooped in right after, docking on the ceiling ports. The shuttle door hissed open, and a woman in a crisp black uniform with rank badges pinned to her chest stepped out, followed by six troopers, two of which were dragging a thin woman in a Jedi Navy uniform. Admiral Kest, how nice to see you, he called out to the woman with the rank badges. Of course, it would be nicer if it were under different circumstances. Yes, sir, I do apologize about not informing you of the incident sooner. The fleet was already prepared and the Jedi were about to jump away. We had to act fast. I understand. I will let you off with a warning, but only because of this nice captive you've brought me. He leaned over and looked the pilot in the eyes, studying her thoughts. Take her to the dungeons. I can see that this one wants to shoot me down where I stand. Not the greatest start to an interrogation, but I can work with it. Oh yes, he thought darkly. I can work with it. Me and a couple of volts of electricity can work with it. He eyed the slumped form of the prisoner as she was carried away by the troopers, thrashing against their strength. As the troopers boarded the turbo lift going down, the Emperor turned to his loyal admiral. Do you know what this means, Kest? He asked her, still sounding slightly annoyed. Of course, he wasn't annoyed anymore, but he thought it was rather fun to keep Kest on her toes. Do you know what the Jedi fleet finding us means? No, sir. What does this mean? She asked back, sounding slightly nervous about what he was going to say. It means that Operation Eclipse must be launched early. We cannot wait any longer. Prepare the Navy and inform the Grand Admiral. Tell him the time has come. Tell him that Operation Eclipse has begun. At that, he turned around and entered the turbo lift. As he walked through the prison compound underneath the base, he thought about how empty it was now. But soon, very soon, it would be packed with prisoners. Hopefully these prisoners would be a bit more compliant than the current ones seemed to be. She was thrashing and kicking and punching the troopers that were trying to put her in a cell. Of course, she couldn't do anything to the stormtroopers because they were covered in armor. 
but it did make it quite difficult to carry her. Captain Thorne, please step aside and let me deal with the pilot. The emperor calmly called out to the first trooper. They complied and unceremoniously dumped the prisoner to the floor. The emperor raised his hand and punched the woman in the face. She collapsed, gasping in pain. The emperor flicked his hand and the pilot floated into the air and jerked sideways into the prison cell. The cell door slid closed seemingly of its own accord. The trooper stared at the emperor. Their expressions were hidden under their helmets, but they were quite clearly shocked. The emperor gave them a little smile and dismissed them from the room. He bent down and peered through the bars to see the crumpled figure on the ground. Now I'm going to ask you a few questions. If you don't respond, I'll be forced to apply a bit more pressure. But that is your decision. Now, your first question. How much of a grip does the Jedi Council have on the Senate? I know that they're trying to control it, but I don't know how well they are succeeding. Your little band of idiots seems powerful enough to have at least one spy in the Senate. You should already know the answer to that question. She shot back. Whether I know the answer or not is of no importance. The only thing that matters is that I'm asking you a question. He glared at her. Now I'll ask you again one more time. How much control do the Jedi have over the Senate? The Emperor patiently waited for a response. The pilot spat at his feet. He sighed and raised his hands. I truly am sorry. You have left me no choice. And the Emperor's hands seemed to explode with electricity. Bolts of energy shot from him into the pilot, causing her to writhe and twist on the floor as more and more energy poured from his hands into her body. Finally, the Emperor stopped, and the prisoner stopped twisting in pain. She lay still, smoke rising from her limp form. The Emperor repeated his question, and the answers poured from her mouth. Tara was lost. Not literally, but mentally. Everything she had ever known was in danger. Yet she didn't even seem mad about it. She wanted to hate that man who called himself the Emperor, but she just couldn't. She sat in her chair as her guards watched her finish her meal, unaware of the conflict inside of her. She reached to her hip to see if her lightsaber was there. Miraculously, it was. The troopers must have seen her reach for it because she heard the quiet click of a loading blaster. She turned to look at the stormtroopers and their helmets instantly reminded her of the Star Destroyers who had blown her master to bits. Now, while the anger and grief she had been suppressing surged through her, and in one swift motion she leapt from her chair, ignited her lightsaber, and separated their heads from their shoulders in a single swing. As their bodies crumpled to the floor, she rammed her lightsaber into the locking mechanism on the door and it slid open. Tara freed her lightsaber and walked out into the hallway.